It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day, especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay them, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah, blah. No more Gino time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. The Boston Celtics fresh off an amazing, improbable, yet not really shocking somehow, 109-104 win over the Toronto Raptors. I'm John Corrales, joined by Sam Jam Packard. We are the Rain and Jays, and... um, so, Isaiah Thomas did it again, and at this point, I can't even begin to explain it. Other than to say, I, I look, I've never seen anything like this before. And it's not like I'm 80 years old. It's not like I've seen all of the NBA's history. But I've been around for a little while. I've seen a lot. I've never seen anybody do this. This is insane. 19 points in the fourth quarter. 6 of 10 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line. Uh, This time a plus 15, so screw this whole plus minus talk tonight. Sam, uh, let's let's just share a little inside baseball. Going into the fourth quarter, saying uh, the Celtics are going to need another 20-point fourth quarter from Isaiah or else we're screwed. (laughs) And there it was. Yeah, but here's the thing is that both of us, you typed right before that in our notes, you said... uh, well, it could be worse, and you like. I feel like a lot of Celtics fans had the same feeling: is that you're just never down that much. There's always this kind of belief that the, like, what I typed in, the Celtics are going to need 20 points from Isaiah Thomas. I had like was fully believing that he was going to deliver that. It, it there's really nothing I can compare it to right now. The only other thing in terms of like Boston sports fandom is like relying on Big Poppy to come up clutch in, like, a, a late at-bat. Like yeah. You just kind of have this – at this point, you have this feeling that it's just, like, it's going to happen. The Celtics played, like, dog shit for the first, what, like, 30 minutes of this game? It was just really not good basketball. But, you know, it's just in the fourth quarter, it was – it's Isaiah time, and he took over. And I don't want to 
say it was only Isaiah. He did. I mean, of course, he was amazing, but they only let up 19 points um, in that fourth quarter. Their defense really picked up. Um, and Kyle Lowry was amazing, uh, but just a great team win for is a game that they really had no business winning after that start. But uh, it's just it's incredible to watch Isaiah Thomas. And it's like the kind of thing where, you know, the shots going in before he, like he even releases it. Like when you see on that uh, the kind of the biggest play of the game where there was kind of a, a broken play and it ended up with Crowder passing to a wide open Isaiah Thomas. You knew immediately that was going in. Yep. It's just like his fourth quarter ability is insane. Yep, that's just another one of those moments where somehow in all of the craziness, the 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 Celtics find Isaiah Thomas, and it goes a little bit back to what I was saying uh, like a week ago maybe, that when other guys get involved, when the ball is being worked around somehow, and that wasn't necessarily being worked around, that was just kind of, but it was other people being involved in, for some reason, people lose Isaiah Thomas still because, well, I'll tell you why. Because Jay Crowder is at the top of the key, and he's a damn good three-point shooter. And in the scrum, there's a defender that looks over at Crowder all by himself and goes, oh, shit, that's Jay Crowder, and he's a 40% three-point shooter. I can't let him have that. Without thinking like, oh, I've got Isaiah Thomas behind me, and he's the deadliest mf'er out there in the fourth quarter, and he gets an open shot. So it's just a thing that keeps on happening, and part of it is because the Celtics have other players that you have to respect. Yeah, no, is any those players weren't even playing that well in this game, but uh, it's just. They really turned up uh, kind of the effort and defense in the in the second half of that game. Only allowed after allowing sixty in the first half, only allowing forty in the second half is very impressive. And you see Brad Stevens kind of shortening the rotation, going away from Amir Johnson, who has been kind of a, a disappointing player uh, recently. Uh, they used a three guard lineup, which has kind of been that was Jay King's biggest thing earlier in the year was talking about how bad those three guard lineups have been. But the lineup of uh, if you had asked me that before this game, if the in crunch time that Rozier, Thomas, Smart, Jalen Brown, and Tyler Zeller was going to be the the lineup that got you back into this game, I would have uh, accused you of being high on uh, many <laughs> drugs. Yeah, but look at it. Really balled out. Mark, really great. Marcus Smart did a lot of good things uh, on top of his ten points, five rebounds, huge rebound there at the end, and then winning the the jump ball. Sneaky, he is so sneaky because he kind of stole that jump ball. But he's really good at it. Uh, a plus eight on the floor. And look, Tyler Zeller. Let's let's get into some Tyler Zeller discussion because that's where you come to the Lockdown Celtics podcast for high quality Tyler Zeller discussion. And I'm only saying this because throughout the first, I don't know. Uh, 26 minutes of the game. It was nothing in our recurring game notes. It was nothing but just Tyler Zeller scorn coming from Sam Packard. And at one point I was like, after, after Zeller did a couple of good things, I forget exactly where I said, are you going to apologize to Tyler Zeller? He saw it was that block shot. It was after the block shot that 
I said, you can apologize to Tyler Zeller. And you're like, yeah, I guess too much Tyler Zeller. That's a thing now. I had a roller coaster of emotions with Tyler Zeller tonight because every single time I was about to complain either publicly or in our notes about him getting too many minutes, he just came up and did something really cool, whether it was uh, the reverse dunk, he threw a nice alley-oop to Jalen Brown, and then that block, it was just... I have such a visceral reaction to him being on the floor that it's it's so negative, but that just made me eat my words tonight. He was a, oh, did a really good job uh, on both ends of the floor. Um, so I have to give Tyler Zeller his due. It's just Amir Johnson clearly wasn't being effective, and if Al Horford's going to be on the bench, you need someone in that five spot to play some bit of defense. Clearly, it wasn't it wasn't going to be uh, Kelly Olynyk tonight because he was hurt, but. Tyler Zeller stepped up and this kind of pulled the Celtics back into this game. And I never would have thought I would say those words, but he was a, he was very good tonight. Uh, and as much as I wanted to dislike him, he just kept proving me wrong. So no, you really you really wanted to dislike Tyler Zeller. In fact, I, I hate to say this because this is no, this isn't like an on the record thing. Our our People don't like we we have like an interactive Google Docs thing that we do, and because we're not in the same place, so we kind of type our notes to one another as the game's going along, so so we can kind of figure out what we want to talk about. But I have to share some of these things just because, <laughs> just because it, Zeller was such a key to this win that when you say if I never have to see Tyler Zeller take a jump shot again, I would be a happy man, and then. <laughs> I was literally about to disparage Zeller's entire personhood. <laughs> that is a great line. You were. You were. And then all of a sudden, good things started to happen. You're like, IT, Rosier, Smart, Jalen, and Zeller. Shrug face Twitter thing. And then it just became, yeah, I guess I have to apologize to Tyler Zeller now. So that that was... The progression, and I'm not saying that you were wrong. I just love busting your balls about this. But Tyler Zeller ended up being a key to this game, even though Isaiah Thomas is going to get all of the shine for good reason, 19 points in the fourth quarter and a 40, what, 41-point game, 44-point game overall. Tyler Zeller, even though only four points, five rebounds, and one assist, a plus eight off of the bench in 16 minutes that it was huge, huge, huge production from Zeller, even though he did some not-so-great things earlier. But I'll let you kind of say your piece about Zeller, and we can move on. I'm still upset of him for taking that jump shot when they were <laughs> down in the third quarter. That's not what they needed, but he fucking <laughs> And you notice that uh, when it came time to really close the game out, Tyler Zeller was not on the floor. So as a serviceable backup big man, Tyler Zeller, you get your big two thumbs up tonight. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like we have to get back to, to Isaiah Thomas. Um, yeah, we do. Just that that poor, um, the fourth quarter where I think they either tied the game or – it was just before they tied the game. It was, uh, I think, Norm uh, Carroll. Norm, what the hell is his actual name? Norm Powell uh, committed a foul on the offensive end, and then Ty- Thomas comes in and scores seven straight points and just kind of took over that game and put the Celtics ahead. Uh, it was kind of the, the statement they needed at, at the moment. It was damn impressive, but um, 
simultaneously, at the the Celtics got three stops in a row right there, and I think Marcus Smart's D on Kyle Lowry, he took a couple of dumb gambles uh, on two consecutive possessions that kind of allowed the Raptors to get back in the game. But overall, I thought he did a real good job on containing Lowry. And without DeRozan tonight, that was the one job of the Celtics was try to stop Kyle Lowry. And I think they did uh, a good enough job down the stretch, and it was especially that kind of on-ball pressure from Marcus Smart. Yeah, I think that Lowry, I mean, he went off a little bit. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a little bit. He had 12 points in the fourth quarter. But he was also a minus 13 in the fourth quarter. So he his his production was was good, but they got enough of the stops at the right time. And you're right, Marcus Smart played great defense. I think some of the best defense Marcus Smart played on on Lowry was on a deep three that he that Lowry actually hit. But Marcus was really good at positioning his body when the screen was coming, getting through that and still staying in front of Lowry and making things difficult. That so that even though Lowry had great numbers in the fourth, when he had opportunities to pull that, I guess the reverse Isaiah, where or what Isaiah did in the past, that that had the whole um, Matt Moore column where you get outscored but you do enough to hold on, like that type of thing. There was the uh, the shot clock violation that was weird, but it still forced a huge long fadeaway miss. That that was that was great defense. That was a, an example of just Marcus Smart stepping up and doing the things that he needed to do against Lowry at key moments to allow for Isaiah and the rest of the team to tack on a couple of points and, and make this full comeback. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of indicative of the entire defense in the second half. Um, I remember Scal mentioned on the broadcast that one of the points of emphasis was kind of the big men stepping up in the pick and roll. Um, I think I tweeted this out at halftime, but this the Raptors on two point shots in the first half uh, were incredible, uh, and a lot of that was kind of offensive rebounding and maybe some layups, but they were hitting a lot of mid range, and I think the the defense and um, Brad Stevens made a smart adjustment of really trying to not let them kind of come off screens and just hit pull-up jumpers. Uh, so they did a really good job in the second half of kind of just limiting um, the Raptors from doing what they wanted to do. Kyle Lowry, if he's going to hit those crazy threes, you just kind of have to tip your cap to him. But uh, in the second half, the kind of the obscure Raptors players really didn't go off for the way they did in the first half. I mean, Jared Sollinger, in his return to the Garden, which was one of the least, like, fanfare ever, I'm pretty sure he got booed. Uh, he, he did! What the hell was that about? That? And it's anyway, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't really agree with that. Sully gave us a good four years. I don't care if he was a, a little bit overweight. He was productive. But really the other players, Corey Joseph, Norm Powell, they didn't do much in the second half. And I think that was uh, a lot of what just the, the Celtics playing much better team defense. So they basically forced, say, Kyle Rowell, you're going to have to outduel Isaiah Thomas in this game if you want to win it. And... Uh, he was unable to do so because no one can out-duel Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, that's that's Isaiah's time. But that's a good point. And look, a huge reason for this, we didn't have Avery Bradley. They didn't have DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan in that game makes a huge difference, but then so does Avery Bradley. But a huge thing was uh, uh, Valanchu- Valanchunas. I'm getting that. Uh, yeah, you nailed it. That Valanchunas only played 12 minutes in this game. 
And that's that's a big deal, uh, especially against this Celtics team that has trouble rebounding and trouble against the size. To have him just in constant foul trouble and not in there playing well or playing even extended minutes, that's that's a, a big, big deal. Uh, he played four minutes in the fourth quarter, nothing, no points, no rebounds, one assist, one block, that's it. He was a minus eight, just no production at all from Valanciunas. That's a big deal for the Boston Celtics. But like you said, Carroll in the fourth quarter, nothing. Powell in the fourth quarter, two points. Uh, Corey Joseph in the fourth quarter, nothing. Terrence Ross in the fourth quarter, two points. That is all really, really, really great stuff from the Celtics, who, look, in the absence of Avery Bradley, can start to at least claim some sort of defensive progression. Holding the Raptors to 104 points, and and more importantly, to, uh, let's see, 42 points in the fourth quarter, I mean, in the, in the second half, yeah, 42 points in the second half, that is... An amazing, amazing defensive effort in the second half for the Celtics tonight. Yeah, and both of us, uh, we questioned their effort coming out of the the first half when they because the Raptors came out in the start of the third quarter on a ten four run, and both of us were kind of in the the negative Nancy zone and were like, "Well, this team is not responding." But really, pretty much after that, they played lockdown defense. Um, and I don't, I don't, I mean, just looking over this Raptors roster, like it's there. I know they're a very good team in that the er, earlier in the season, they were playing just some amazing defense. But if you look at the players on the roster and the contracts, like the amount of money they're paying Valanchunas and Damari Kaler right now to give them basically nothing is absurd. Uh, someone tweeted earlier in the night just like calling Damari Carroll the poor man's Jay Crowder, but Damari Carroll's making twice as much as uh, Jay Crowder yeah. right now. Um, so if you're a Raptors fan, uh, like after what are the have, have they lost like seven of eight or seven of nine? It's it's absurd right now how kind of inefficient and just poorly their their uh, team is playing. And I they played decently tonight, especially in the first half, but it's just. Looking forward for the Raptors, uh, there's not a lot of good signs. I mean, Lowry and DeRozan are going to definitely kind of drag them moving forward, but the Celtics now with a one-and-a-half game lead in the second uh, or in the, for second place in the East, you have to feel pretty good about kind of their trajectory versus the Raptors' trajectory. Uh, and I don't know, uh, maybe I'm overhyping this just because this is a Celtics' first win over the Raptors, and I feel like two seasons, but... It just feels like one team's kind of is heading in the upwards direction, and uh, the Raptors have a lot of money spent on a lot of disappointments on their roster. Toronto Raptors are in a very precarious position right now, and this is very, very bad timing, at least from a fan perspective, for this. So, to to your point, the Celtics in their last ten are seven and three; they've won five in a row. The Raptors in their last ten are three and seven. Uh, they they had that win that they just had over who they just beat in overtime the the Pelicans they had the to Pelicans right uh, but then but they had been uh, they had been on a, a losing streak that I think they lost four in a row so 
the Raptors right now are a game out of fourth and a game and a half out of second. So they are closer, or I'll put it this way. They are as close to the fifth seed as they are to the second seed. So that is, if you're looking from a Raptors perspective, they are in danger of falling out of home court. Meanwhile, they have Carroll, who I know Raptors fans have completely started to turn on. That is, I think a lot of Raptors fans are starting to turn on Carroll, and and I've seen bench him type of tweets going on. Sullinger's return happens to completely coincide with this skid, so I don't know how fans are going to react to that, Uh, even though he had a good first part of the game against the Celtics. The Raptors are in a tough spot. Meanwhile, the Celtics are doing all of this without Avery Bradley. Alinex out tonight. They had Horford out for a couple of games with the groin injury. They're not they haven't been at full strength and they've made all of this ground up. They're two and a half games out of first in the East. Um I like where the Celtics are going. Let's just you know, of course I'm gonna like where the Celtics are going in this situation, but um yeah, the Raptors are in a tough spot. I, I fully expect them to get their shit together at some point. But going down the stretch, if the Celtics can stay healthy, then they ha- they may be building enough of a lead where they can hold off the Raptors and just at least hold on to this second seed. Yeah, and it's I would say they're even... This is uh, Optimus Island right here, but uh, I would say they have a chance to challenge the Cavs for the one seed just based on how the Cavs are playing basketball right now. I'm not saying they're going to do it, or I I don't even actually expect them to do it just because the Cavs have so much talent. But um, based on the way it's going, you might see LeBron kind of resting more, or, I mean, Kevin Love is dealing with an injury. You might expect the Cavs to coast uh, if the Celtics keep playing basketball like this, and if Isaiah Thomas continues to you know score 20 points for every fourth quarter, uh, they're not going to lose many games. So it's very good for the Celtics just because that even just being second and third uh, in the standings is a huge uh, difference just based on playoff opponent or even maybe um, home court advantage in the second round. Uh, it's just tremendously helpful for them to win games right now, like you said, without Avery Bradley. Uh so, I mean, there's no reason to – I mean, I was trying. To, I was about to say there's no reason to feel bad if you're a Celtics fan. They did play pretty shitty in the first half. But the fact that they were able to kind of – Brad Stevens said it after the game, like get off the mat and really like respond uh, is a good thing and kind of is something we, um, we haven't exactly seen. I don't know if they've like shown the most uh, mental toughness – um, and maybe I'm just colored by the the funeral game in Washington, but <laughs> it was very it was very nice to see them kind of respond to playing so poorly in the first half and really clamp down on the defensive end. So if you're a Celtics fan, you have to feel good moving forward and looking at Cleveland coming for that number one spot. Look, we 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 mentioned it the the Washington game, the response to this game. They they came out and they they had troubles early. And it took a it took Isaiah having a fourth quarter type of spurt at the end of the first quarter to keep that game close at the end of one period. So they they still 
didn't have that full response that we're hoping for. And what we want is for the Celtics to be like, yeah, I don't know, using this motivation and have this magical, like emotional response. And when they punk you, you're going to have to rise up and have this full adrenaline thing, whatever. I don't know. I think some of that's bullshit. I think some of it is just whatever. They, they don't play well. They can't, they can't play a full complete game. They've done it. What once this year they beat Orlando pillar to post one game. That's the twice, Celtics. Twice. They beat Orlando twice by like right. thirty points. Right. So that's it. So if they play in a seven game series against the Magic, then great. But that's not happening. So that's what the Celtics are. But you know what? That's what the Raptors are. That's what the Wizards are. The Wizards are on this huge, massive run. But it's taking them a massive run just to get to the fourth seed and still a game and a half behind the Celtics. But all of these other teams are inconsistent. The Bulls are the seventh seed right now. They are a complete goddamn disaster. They would be the matchup right now if the playoffs started today. If we played the Bulls in a seven-game series right now, wouldn't we be predicting like Celtics in five just out of respect for the opponent? So... I don't. I don't see. I, I'm. I'm just gonna. I'll just say this. I, I'm happy where the Celtics are. They. They're flawed. There's no doubt about it. I keep saying they're not the finished product, but they are two and a half games out of Cleveland. And we said coming into the season that there's an outside chance that Celtics or Toronto would be able to capitalize on the Cavaliers kind of coasting. And now look, January happened. This is the January swoon. A lot of good teams have bad Januaries. Sam, remember when the Celtics were championship contenders? How many bad Januaries did we have? I mean, we had some shitty Januaries. <laughs> it's That's tough. It's the toughest part of the schedule. Yeah, because you you come out of the season, you, you got your November, your December. You're like you've you've had your your couple of months. You're you go into January. You know you're going into this like get into the All Star break. Blah blah blah. Who gives a shit? This is the who gives a shit type of part of the schedule where all of the veterans are like it's a long season. I know we're going to play a hundred games. The Celtics have played uh, what are we at forty nine games this season. If you're going to win a championship, you're going to play a hundred games. So we made a big deal about the halfway point, but for Cleveland, this is the halfway point. Like they're lulling into the halfway point of their season, and they're going to continue to have a lull until they get to the last 30-something games, and then they're going to ratchet it up. And maybe they'll that'll be enough for either Boston or Toronto to sneak in and snag that top seed. That's not real. No one thinks it's real, but it'd be nice. It'd be nice to sit there and be like, hey, we were the top seed in the Eastern Conference, and then whatever, the Cavaliers, they don't need home court. But, so, but it'd be nice to have that 1-8 matchup and then have a a more favorable uh, favorable matchup, or at least home court in the second round, and then whenever it happens against Cleveland, happens. So, this is a great spot to be in. We can't complain as much as they're flawed and whatever's happening. We can't complain. Yeah, and I think it's it's something the Celtics can build on, especially after an amazing January. The month of February, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Not a lot of tough games on there for uh, the Celtics. I mean. They play the Clippers on Super Bowl Sunday, but without Chris Paul, it's definitely not the same Clippers team. They have a kind of they have a I guess a four game West Coast trip, but 
they're really the worst team. The best team they're playing there is the Jazz. They play the Raptors again at the end of the month. But other than that, all the other teams they play this month, they got the Kings, the Mavericks, the 76ers, the Pistons, who they just beat. They have the Lakers on Friday. It's an, it's another month where the Celtics can make a play where other teams may be struggling. So if they can have the lead, I think they're in a in tremendous position right now. And like you said, everyone being healthy, uh, it should work out well for them. And eventually, Avery Bradley practiced earlier this week. He sh- probably should will be back for that Lakers game. Uh, the Celtics can continue to just keep winning and keep cooking, and it's it's everything's great. Every, everything's fantastic right now. Yeah, this is this is uh, uh, exactly if we were to say before the season that on February first this would be the position that you just beat the Raptors to take a one and a half game lead over them for the second seed and be within two and a half games of the Cavaliers. No one, not a single person, and I say this without hyperbole, there's not a single person who wouldn't say, oh, I would take that. I would take this exact position. However it is that we got here, everybody would take it. This is exactly where you wanted the Celtics to be, knowing that they're not a finished product, knowing that they had some some issues, and that's not even taking into account all of the injuries that they've had to go through. They're still at this position, so... It's awesome. Just let's sit back. We're in February. Guys, it's going to be – the weather's going to clear up soon. It's not going to be cold anymore. The Celtics are two and a half games out of first. This is great. Before we wrap up the show, let's go to some of the Rain and Jays. I want to give Vandell Harris at Vandell78. Zeller has got to get his props, all caps, for his contributions since his return. Hashtag Godzeller, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we did give him his props and, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Simon, uh, at Jovian shadow. If you only watch Celtics fourth quarters, you'd have a skewed opinion on how they were playing. Yeah, that is correct. That is correct. You'd think that they were a title contender, uh, but you know, so be it. Uh, let's see. And then of course there's. At Robert Denton, who has a negative, like a slightly negative, not slightly negative, it's worst game ever, he says. Celtics deserve to lose, but thank gods they pulled it out. Horrid! Exclamation point. It's a little, I mean, look, most of this game was bad. The game was not great, but there were enough good stretches that it worked out. I don't know. This is this is what the Celtics are. This is what the Celtics are. And, and wouldn't you prefer this to the last time they played the Raptors, where they dominated for three quarters and then got their asses kicked in the fourth and lost the game? Like, right? It's better to be a, a closer than it is to just play like, play tremendously for the first three quarters. I agree, it wasn't a, like it wasn't a very good game to start with, but you know, a W is a W. That's it, man. W is a W. And next up, the Lakers, which God, I hope is a W. And as much as I don't care where these teams are or whatever, they could both suck. They could both be battling for the top seed or the, the top pick in the, in the draft. Something about seeing those two teams on the floor just gets my juices flowing. So that's the Friday night game. And then Paul Pierce comes in on Sunday, the, clearly the biggest game in Boston sports on Sunday. Paul Pierce's final game in Boston uh, with the Clippers. I can't think of well, anything. Don't be, don't be so sure because who knows? He could get traded to the Celtics at a, a wild deadline deal. Uh, 
three-team deal involving Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. That would be that would be amazing. Uh, all right. There's two things right now that I wanted to bring up before we go is that um, if the Celtics win either of those two games against the Lakers or Clippers, Brad Stevens will be your coach uh, for the Eastern All-Star team. Awesome. Um, awesome news. But the second thing about Brad Stevens is we're seeing some quotes come from Isaiah uh, after the game, and he's saying that at halftime, Brad absolutely killed the team and said that was the maddest he'd ever seen uh, Brad Stevens be which is the exact reaction I wanted from Brad Stevens after that first half. So I'm just going to have to – I saw some people tweeting that Brad Stevens deserved to be fired. Uh, Jay King roasted those people on Twitter, and they deserved it because that's the dumbest take in the history of the league. But I just really want to be there for some angry uh, Brad Stevens, and I'm glad he gets that fired up in the in the halftime locker room speech because that's exactly what this team needed, and uh, – after an initial weak start to the third quarter, they responded, and you know what? That's it's all good feelings going around. It just adds to the confidence you have in this team moving forward. Let me tell you something: the Celtics have won sixty-three percent of their games this season. If you today said Brad Stevens deserves to be fired, screw you. That's you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Let's just just cut the shit. Just go watch hockey. <laughs> go watch hockey, or go listen to Felger, or maybe you are Felger. So. Maybe that's what it is. Um, you know what? I said it b- before the season. I-, I see Brad Stevens kind of rounding into form himself, at least personality-wise. I know I said that he's been more sarcastic, which that has come to come to pass. He's definitely joking around a lot more. He's he. he I think he calls out the media just a tiny bit more, and he calls out the guys a little bit more. He's a little more sarc- sarcastic with his answers. He's gotten much you know he's gotten some texts he's clearly much more fired up on the sidelines i am a firm believer that this aw shucks personality is just a kind of i don't want to say a facade because i think that in real life he is very respectful calm measured individual he does by you know most accounts he's very measured but Basketball is an emotional game. It's an emotional place. There's no way. I know I know he subscribes to don't get too high, don't get too low. But in the heat of the battle, there's no doubt in my mind that Brad Stevens drops all the curses that the rest of us do. And behind closed doors in that locker room at halftime, he knows exactly when to light into these guys and just let him have it. And he, because he doesn't do it all the time, when he does, it has much more effect. It, he's not Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy is building fucking walls and all that stuff. Like he is just out of control, emotional. Brad Stevens does it in a very measured and targeted way. So I love it. I love the fact that that happened. And I know it's going to happen a lot more. And it's. Brad's Brad's learning a lot. He's growing as a as a coach, and I just love watching it all happen. And the Celtics are growing as a team. It's great. Yeah. I, I one last thing is uh, before we go. I feel like Brad Stevens. Uh, I feel like he breaks out the swear words in in only special occasions. It's like uh, the emergency class. It's like break in case of emergency. Denny's going to throw some f bombs in there. Maybe says shit a few times. <laughs> that's how the team knows it's serious. That's how he knows that like. Okay, we really need to step up. But I feel like 
Otherwise, he's kind of a, a coaching robot sent from the Midwest to for global. <laughs> I love it. A coaching robot sent from the Midwest. Uh, that's great. That's a great place to end. All right, guys. Uh, next game is Friday, and then Sunday we'll talk about both of those games somewhere before the Super Bowl, which we are aware of. The Super Bowl is a thing that's happening, and if you are a fan of the Patriots, which if you're not from Boston at this point, I'm assuming that everybody's rooting against the Patriots, so be it. But whatever. All right. We'll talk next time. Uh, Celtics, again, beat the Raptors for the first time this season, 109-104. They're the second seed, two and a half games behind Cleveland, a game and a half ahead of said Raptors, and hoping to build a lead like Jam said, next win in the next two games gets Brad Stevens coach of the All-Star game. So let's root for that. And let's root for five stars for the Locked On Celtics podcast. Rate us five stars. Put us out there. Let everybody know how great we are, how much you love us. That makes us feel good. And, you know, in 2017, we all need to feel good about some things. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Search Locked On Celtics if you don't know if somehow you're listening to us, but whatever, somehow. If you don't know where to find us, do that. Uh, also, check out the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy. If you're a fantasy player, they'll give you some tips. I know your season's coming to uh, coming to a head soon, so they'll they'll get you over the hump. And then check out, if you want to hear what the, their reaction's going to be, check out the Lockdown Raptors. They've got a good uh, grasp on, on everything. I listened to their show before the game. They're kind of like in panic mode, and this is going to push them over the edge. Lockdown Lakers is a great show. They do a great job. Very popular. One of the cornerstones along with us on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Check them ahead of Friday's game. And then... Uh, then listen to whatever Jay King comes up with tomorrow. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics podcast. We'll talk to you later. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.